Good morning, church. Welcome back. The last time we were here together one week ago. Wow, a lot's happened, right? It's been a big week, and we are so happy to see all of you here. If there's anyone visiting, we would love to connect with you. Please text the number 904-441-6900, and you can text the word CONNECT. But anyone else, we're using that same number and that same word CONNECT in order to communicate. Several people have had some issues from the hurricane, debris in your yard, flooding, that kind of thing. And if you need help, we're sending teams out from our church to help. So you can text your need, um, fill out that same card, and that'll allow you to do that. So make sure you make note of that number. And of course, you can always turn that in and speak to someone in the atrium if that's easier for you. A couple of announcements this morning. It is now a beautiful day in St. Augustine, so we are going to go ahead and have our beach baptism this afternoon at 1 p.m. at 10th Street. So we'd love for you all to gather and join us there for those taking their next step of faith. Next Sunday, October the 9th, our quilting ministry is having an open house. They have relocated. If you have noticed, the pink house, the annex, is no longer there, but the quilting ministry is still there. So they are now upstairs in the same building in room 200 and 201, and they would love for you to come and see their new space. This is a great time to hear about a phenomenal ministry to get involved with if you're not already. Finally, one of my favorite times of the year is Operation Christmas Child. And this year, we have kicked off our event already in the atrium. You can go ahead and start picking up those boxes now. It's going to be a phenomenal event, and it just is such a blessing to everyone in our, in our community as we give and around the world as children receive. So I want you to watch this video this morning and just be encouraged about what our small part can do to change lives. If you would turn your attention to the screens. by these simple shoebox gifts. One box can touch, not just the child, but the whole family. So we need to keep packing those boxes and pray for the children that God will use this in a very special way. So thank you for being a part of it. God bless you. Well, as you came in the doors, uh, hopefully you received the elements. If not, if you did not receive your Lord's Supper elements that we'll be celebrating in just a moment, would you raise your hand? Although I really don't know why, because I don't have any. But uh, could would would uh, would somebody poke their head out that door and ask one of the one of the uh, ushers, the deacons, to bring them in? And then when they come back, then we'll do that. If you're watching online, if you're watching our live stream, we'll be celebrating Lord's Supper in just a moment. Why don't you go ahead and go take this time to uh, find some of the 
elements that you could use at home. And let me give you a hint. These are kind of hard to open sometimes. So you may want to go ahead and try to get that top piece of film off the bread so it'll be uh, easier to get to in just a few moments. And I believe we had somebody over on this side. Did we, did we not? That was lacking. All righty. Okay. I think we are ready to begin. God's word says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Let's stand. Let's sing about the source of those blessings. tells us through his word that whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we freely admit what we sang just a moment ago, that we are great debtors but you are an even greater redeemer. We are prone to wander, but you are our rock, immovable, steadfast, and sure. So today, as we once again partake of the bread and the cup, forgive us for these and for all of our sins as we continue to pray in silence.
Father, we thank you for your promise that if we truly confess, that you truly forgive. So we stand before you as a people in need of forgiveness, and we trust that you have given that, that you removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And all God's people said, amen.
Uh, here at Anastasia, you know, we do not require that you be a church member to partake, but we, we do ask that you have made a personal commitment to follow the Lord Jesus and have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. And so uh, as we continue to prepare our hearts, uh, do ask that of you, and then we will partake all together with communion. And so if you will hold your elements until we pray over them and then partake together. Let's prepare our hearts. Jesus at your holy table, may our hearts united be. Bind us with your grace and presence, that redeem and set us free. Crucify our pride and tell us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken on our behalf, Lord. We thank you that it was you that went to the cross and experienced the excruciating agony and pain for our sins. And so, Lord, as we remember your body that was broken for our behalf, Lord, we give thanks, and God, we remember of your sacrifice and the forgiveness that came out of your body being broken on our behalf. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may partake.
Scriptures say that after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, and as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was sacrificed and shed for our behalf. Lord, we know that the scriptures say without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. Lord, and you sent your son, Jesus, the sacrificial lamb for our sake, for our forgiveness, for our remission of sins. And for that, we are grateful, Lord. We are humbled that, God, you would send your son, Jesus, on our behalf. And so now as we partake of the cup, Lord, we remember and we reflect on the sacrifice you made on the cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray. You may partake. Scriptures say that as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until she, he shall return again. God bless you, church. Would you stand with me? Let's sing of that day when Jesus returns. Father, we thank you for that promise that you will send your son again, not as a lowly babe, not as a man to be scorned and rejected, crucified, but as the powerful King Almighty, as King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, we thank you for that promise, for that sure and certain word. Lord, we also thank you that you give to us. You entrust us with resources that you then trust us to bring back to you. And Lord, we're thankful for the generosity of this group of people here at Anastasia. Lord, we're especially mindful of our brothers and sisters in the Southwest, other parts of the state, who, if they're meeting at all today, they're meeting in shells of buildings or they're meeting on flat, open places. So, Father, we pray for our people and your people all around this world to continue to grow in the grace of giving so that your kingdom 
is established. Your kingdom is expanded. And we're grateful that you give us the opportunity to be a part of how you choose to touch and work through your world. For that, we're grateful. offering of praise. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, Good morning, church. Good to see you in the house this morning. Uh, I think it'd be prudent for us this morning as we gather together, as Pastor David mentioned, uh, to pray for and think about those who are affected by Hurricane Ian across our state. I know many uh, within our own community have felt the effects and have been devastated by the hurricane, but uh, so many in the southwest uh, part of Florida have been hit very, very hard. And so I, I just think, let's take a moment this morning, and if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, and let's just lift them up in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning with heavy hearts for those who have been um, devastated by Hurricane Ian, Lord. And so, Father, we lift up those who have lost loved ones, God, and how, how devastating this must be for them. So, Lord God, we know that you're a God that is near to those who are brokenhearted. And so, God, we ask that in their, their hurt and in their pain that they're feeling and experiencing today and the days to come, that you would make your presence ever known to them. For those who have lost so much of their possessions and all that has uh, been in their life, Lord, their home and their property, Lord, God, I pray that you would send many to comfort them and help them pick up the pieces. God, we want to specifically lift up all of our first responders who have helped in this time of crisis and in need, Lord, and, and are continuing to help. Lord, we pray a, a prayer of protection and provision over them. God, we thank you for their sacrifice and their service. And God, we pray also for the churches, for so many communities of faith who have lost their buildings or lost their meeting place. Lord, we, Father, we ask that as the, the body of Christ, Lord, that we would continue to support them and encourage them through this difficult season and that we would lift them up in this difficult time. And so, Father, we pray that you would work in mighty ways that only you can work in such difficult times that we know that you can. And so, God, we give you praise for how you're going to move in the days to come. And, God, we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Uh, well, as a, as a affects us here in our community with the storm, and uh, we've had many... Uh, teams go out to help some people in need and help with projects around. We have another team that's going to be going out this afternoon. But some things that we have affected us is we did postpone our men's event that was supposed to be happening on Saturday. So men, hold on. We're still going to have that event. We're going to give you a new date here soon. And then our senior adult luncheon that was scheduled for Monday, we also have canceled for this month. And we'll uh, meet again in November. So a couple things we want to let you know of how it's affected us. Well, if you've been with us the last couple weeks, we've been storying through the Bible a little bit. And we've been going doing a series called 
5.17, and we've been really looking at the characteristics of God throughout Scripture. And really, we're seeing uh, the nature of who God is come to life, and really His characteristics. And this morning, I, I want us to focus in on God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. But before we start, I, I, um, I want to tell you a story. About four or five years ago, I took my daughter to Disney World for the very first time. And we were getting ready to go, and we parked in the parking lot. Of course, they have this massive parking lot, and we parked in Goofy 500. I don't know where we were, but we made our way from the parking lot, and we were headed over to the Magic Kingdom. And you can go either by monorail or you can take the boat over. And so we chose to take the boat, and we started loading up on the boat. It was early in the morning, and boy, can I tell you all the amounts of people that were flooding on this boat. This was before the pandemic, and we were loading up on there, and just when I thought they could not possibly fit any more people on this boat, they put about another 300 people on the boat. And so we were crammed in there. It was hot. It was humid. It was sticky. It was a summer floor today, and, and everybody's just a little bit irritated, you know. And, and so we're making our way over to the Magic Kingdom and came to the point in the midst of the trip where you can see uh, the Magic Kingdom. You can see the castle. And uh, just about that time, the captain on the boat said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I want to welcome you to the happiest place on earth, Magic Kingdom. And simultaneously when he said that, uh, the, you've come to the happiest place on earth, I heard at least 90 kids crying right then. I mean, just upset, mad, frustrated, and I, I'm pretty sure I heard about 10 to 30 parents crying as well, right? And they're, they're fighting, they're arguing, they're upset, they're mad, and, and I thought it was ironic here that he is announcing that we are just getting ready to enter the happiest place on earth, and here's all these people upset, crying kids, bickering parents. And, uh, you know, it was this interesting time. You know, as we story through the Bible, I would say there's a similar situation happening for the people of Israel, right? As we've been going through, uh, God has been faithful to, to hold to his covenant, to his promise, to Abraham. God has been faithful to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, protect them, provide for them, give them provision, and he establishes them and he delivers them over to the promised land. And where do we find the people of Israel? They're supposed to be in the happiest, literally the happiest, the best place that they could possibly be on earth. And God's blessing and favor. And what are they doing? They're crying and they're fighting and they're bickering, right? <laughs> and we see the people of Israel specifically as they entered into the promised land. And, and God had been so faithful. I mean, provided for their every need, looked after them, gave them provision, gave them oversight, gave them uh, everything to be successful. We see the Ten Commandments. He, he helped them be established as a nation. He gave them the Levitical law. He gave them all these things that they could be successful as a nation and as a people. And when they get to the Promised Land, what we see in First uh, and Second Samuel in the book of Kings, First and Second Kings, is they see that they start to play this comparison game. <laughs> And they start looking at what other nations have. And they start seeing other nations having earthly leaders and earthly kings. And they think, and they say to God, you know, hey, these other nations have earthly kings. Well, I think we should have one too. But little did they realize that while they were playing the comparison game, they had something far greater than an earthly king. They had an eternal and everlasting king who was with them and who was provided for them and was faithful to keep his promise to them. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at, at a big picture view of First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. It's really the, the, the season and the generation and the time of the kings. And um, we're going to be going in a series 
in a big way in the spring looking more individually, but I want to focus on some theological truths that we see in the book of First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. But just briefly, when we talk about God's faithfulness, and this is one of the themes that we're going to see here, we talk about God's faithfulness. What comes to mind and what comes to sight as we look at Scripture and we study God's faithfulness is God's faithfulness is not dependent upon our faithfulness. In fact, as we look through Scripture, God was faithful to his people even in seasons and in times when they were unfaithful. Can I get an amen in the house? Aren't you grateful that God is faithful to us, that he doesn't give up on us, that he doesn't leave us in our wandering, in our unfaithfulness, that he stays with us, that he stays committed to his promise and to his word to us. And so as we look at God's faithfulness, I want us to be reminded of the God that we serve. So the era of kings in Israel really starts in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 through 7, is really kind of where we see Israel making kind of some uh, complaints. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8, and we're going to be reading in verse 4. And if you're able to this morning, would you please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, hear this, right? Behold, you are old, <laughs> and your sons do not walk in your ways. Boy, they were really nice to Samuel, right? Uh, now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. I'm going to flip over to Psalm 93 and read verses 1 and 2. Psalm 93, verses 1 and 2. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Verse 2. Your throne is established of old. You are from everlasting. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. So first and second Samuel along with first and second Kings tell the story of 42 kings and one queen who ruled over Israel. And there was a season in Israel's history where they were collectively ruled over uh, and then there was a time when there was a split and there was the northern and southern kingdom, the northern kingdom being identified as Israel and then the southern kingdom being known as Judah. And, uh, and, and again, we're going to go with more specifics over there, but what I think we see through First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, are some huge theological truths as it relates to the heart of man and the brokenness of man, and then we see some huge theological truths as it relates to who God is and the faithfulness of God to keep his word and his promise. And so I want to share with you, if you're taking notes, theological truths from a historical account of the kings of Israel and Judah. First thing you can write down this morning is our hearts long for a king. The people of Israel cried out as we go to our passage and said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. You know, king is not a term or a title that we use very often here in the United States, right? 
but for them, they were asking for someone to rule over them, to guide them, to direct them, to go to battle for them, uh, to help them make uh, wise decisions in difficult times. And, and for us, it would be asking for someone to be a leader, right? Asking for someone to step up and to be a leader. And see, the people of Israel were, were making this impulsive decision based off what other nations and what other people had, right? They had this earthly king that was leading them and guiding them. And they felt because other nations had that, that they should also have it. But what they missed and what they had forgotten is they had something far greater. They had an everlasting and eternal God, an eternal king who was watching over them and guiding them. But they made an impulsive decision to try to fill a spiritual need with earthly and worldly things, right? Have you guys ever made impulsive decisions before? Anybody go to the grocery store when you're hungry? <laughs> That's a big mistake, isn't it, right? You go there and you just need milk and eggs and you come out with a hundred different items, right? I go there and, you know, as I was walking through the aisles, I saw, oh, well, ice cream was on sale. Oh, well, popcorn was buy two, get a hundred free, right? So we might as well get that. And then I, I go by the Oreo aisle and you just need Oreos, right? And then I leave the store, and I only needed two things, and I came out with a hundred different things. Did I need any of them? Uh, maybe the Oreos, but, you know, I didn't need any of it. I made an impulsive decision. And, you know, in life, we can make impulsive decisions based off things that we don't need, but we want. Israel compared themselves to the other nations, and they forsaken the things that they had in the Lord their God and they tried to fill them and replace them with things of the world. You know, this is the people of Israel. You know, they were impulsively looking uh, to find an earthly king to fill a spiritual role that God had created in their lives, right? That they were supposed to fill with uh, their eternal father and put faith in him. You know, this is something we can be guilty of, right? Uh, we can try to put earthly leaders and earthly kings in a role that only should be reserved for God, right? We should try to uh, put our faith and our trust in them when really our faith and our trust should only be in Christ Jesus, right? We must look to Jesus, our high king, for our leadership and our guiding and our direction. Our internal longing for leadership in our life can only be fulfilled in Christ can only be fulfilled in Christ. And so we must turn our faith and our trust and our worship to him and to him alone. And so just as the people of Israel were turning their attention elsewhere, and instead of putting their faith and trust in their eternal king, I ask you this morning, who is, who is your faith in? Who are you putting your trust in? Are you putting your trust in your faith in earthly leaders and earthly kings? Are you putting your trust in the everlasting and eternal king? So we see that uh, we long for leadership in our life. We long for a king. Uh, we long for someone to look over, to guide us, direct us, to be that good shepherd in our life. And that's a role only Jesus can fill. And the other theological truth that we see is that we are prone to wonder. <laughs> we are prone to wonder. And the Lord said to Samuel, going back to our passage in 1 Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Just like the old hymnal says, we are prone to wonder. We are prone to wonder. People of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and when they wandered in the wilderness, it led to a generation missing out on the, experiencing the promised land. 
and, and then they, now that they are established people, they've entered into the promised land, what happens? God has been faithful. God has been faithful. And now again, they are wondering and wavering in their faith. I think is what we can see in First and Second Kings and throughout the book of Samuel is that God's people often experience brokenness when they put their faith in earthly leaders and they began to worship them over worshiping God our Father. And so, you know, they wandered in their faith. They found themselves worshiping and swaying, straying away from God. And, and, uh, and, and what God had in store for them is when they, they walked away from him, that was the times that they struggled. There's one thing that we can notice as we've storied through the Bible is that we need a shepherd and a guide in our life. We need that eternal king. Uh, because we are prone to wonder. I, I, I'm reminded of, of the story of the prodigal son. Even in our wondering, God's faithfulness is still there. He is waiting for the son who went wayward and who squandered his inheritance and was living away from the father in his presence. The father is waiting and looking for his son's return. It's not that God blesses us in our wondering, our wavering, but nevertheless, he loves us and he remains faithful to us in our wandering. Over and over again, we see the people of Israel wandering in their faith, and over and over, God would send prophets such as Samuel to encourage them and uh, remind them to return, to put their faith and trust in God. And I think as we see throughout our lives that God over and over again reminds us of his faithfulness and our love for us. One of the biggest takeaways is that we can be reminded that the Lord is with us in our wandering never leaving us nor forsaking us. Isaiah 53, 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. All of us are not insusceptible to be being wondering and wondering in our faith. And So how do we keep from wondering in our faith? I think some practical things that we can do. We can limit the distractions in our life. <laughs> Don't we know that we have enough distractions? We can allow... God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, to filter us and help us to remind us of those things that are most important in life, and we can limit out those distractions. We can keep things in perspective, right? Sometimes we can only see those things that are in front of us. Uh, some of you, as you came to church this morning, maybe the first time you've come to church since we started construction, you parked in that back parking lot, and as you got there, you realized that there was no easy way to get to the front of the sanctuary. And if you were like me, you're a little frustrated, right? You're walking around the campus, and you're, you're frustrated, and you're mad, and it's easy to get frustrated and mad if we were just to look at the short-term view of things, right? But if we were to look at what God is doing right here at Anastasia, we have a bigger view of what he's doing. And we could be encouraged to know that God is establishing a place for kids and our youth and our college students to come and worship together and for our church to be an outlet and outreach to the community for people to come. But so many times, sometimes all that we see is that is which is in front of us and we miss the kingdom view. Over and over, God and Jesus reminded his disciples to look at the kingdom view and to see things in the bigger perspective. I think the third way that we can keep from wondering is we stay committed, right? God has called us to serve so that we would be a part of the people uh, that God has called us to be a part of, the church, and to serve and to fulfill the role that he has called us to have in the church. Third thing, uh, as we looked at two theological truths about man's struggle and the condition of man's heart, uh, and, and ultimately the need for his spiritual leadership in his life. Two things, uh, theological truths that we see about God in First and Second Kings. Uh, third thing you can write down this morning is that we have an everlasting king. 
theological truths. We have an everlasting king. Uh, as Samuel heard from the people of Israel and he talked to God and, and God said that, you know, that you have, they have not rejected you as their leader. They have rejected me as their king. And as we looked in our passage in Psalm, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is put on strength as his belt. The world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from old. You are everlasting. The God that we serve, the God, our Father, is an everlasting God. And he rules with ultimate authority. The people of Israel were crying out for an earthly king when they had an everlasting king. I think uh, the struggle to think that, you know, we look at Israel and we think, why couldn't they come to terms that they had something so much far greater than an earthly king could do and fulfill in their life? But, you know, we often are like the people of Israel. We have an everlasting king and father in heaven, and yet who cares for our every need, and we often replace him with earthly things. And we put things of this world in the place that he deserves. You know, how how do we end up in that place? I think very much like the people of Israel, they played the comparison game. (laughs) They compared their kingdom to the other kingdoms, right? And that is a dangerous game to play. I think even today, anybody, you know, we can compare ourselves to our neighbors and think, well, they have this and they have this life and they have this house, they have uh, this uh, resources and this family, and we want to play the comparison game. And we think, why can't we have what they have? And and soon after that, we try to we try to build our lives to be like the our neighbor, play this comparison game, just like Israel did. Oh, they have a king, we need a king, and so they play this comparison game instead of playing the role that God called them to play. Can I tell you, there is so much more peace in living the life that God has called you to play and not your neighbors, right? We can get caught up in playing that comparison game and we can miss what God is calling each and every one of us to do. The nation of Israel, God was calling them to turn to him for their needs, for leadership and provision and protection, and he had been faithful all through the time. Yet they let comparison creep in. The second thing I think that led to this is uh, they had a short-term view of the kingdom, right? They had a short-term view. They saw things that were only in front of them, and they missed the big eternal picture. I was reading a book recently that was kind of talking about, uh, the author was talking about his struggle to keep things that were internally important present and, you know, get first priority in his life. And so he kind of got so fed up one day, he said, you know, I, I got two things of sticky notes. I got orange and yellow sticky notes. And on the orange sticky notes, I put eternal, the word eternal on it. And so he took those orange sticky notes and he started sticking them on all the things that were eternal in his life, right? He put one on his, his chest to remind his relationship, his, his eternal salvation with the Lord was important. That was an eternal thing. He started sticking sticky notes on his kids and his wife. <laughs> so these are eternal relationships. These are important. These are valuable. He stuck a, a, an eternal sticky note on the word of God because this is internal. It's important. His word, the word of God is important. And so he stuck all these sticky notes on there. The orange ones were eternal and then the green ones were things that were fading away, right? Things of this world, he wrote. And then he took those things and he, and, and he stuck them on his clothes, his car, his house. And he says it was a reminder to him to keep that which is most important priority in his life. So everything with the orange sticky note that said eternal, he knew that he had to pour his attention, his time, his effort, his energy into those relationships, his relationship with God, his relationship with his family. And he had to be reminded to take those things that were perishing, that were of this world, and not put so much attention on them. Boy, isn't it easy 
to put the things of this world in the place of our eternal Father and our relationship with him. We need to be reminded of what is most important. Jesus said this, Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. We need to keep priority. We need to keep focus on that which is internal, starting with our relationship with our everlasting Father. Fourth thing that you can write down, our God is faithful to his word and to his covenant. In our passage in 1 Samuel, uh, God goes back to Samuel and says, According to all the deeds that they have done from the day that I brought them up out of Egypt even to this day. God's reminding again the people of Israel of his faithfulness through their unfaithfulness. Even in their time as they, they moved out of Egypt and God delivered them to the promised land. And even in their unfaithfulness and their wandering and their bickering and complaining, God was faithful. He delivered them. He kept his word. And they were forsaking him and serving other gods. So they are also doing to you. Can I tell you, our, our God is faithful to his word and to his covenant. Which means that his covenant and his promise to us to be with us, to love us, to care for us, it's not changed in our wandering and our wavering of faith. He is faithful to his word. Over and over we've seen God be faithful to the people of Israel, deliver them out. He was faithful to Abraham. He was faithful over and over again to his promises. You know, our God is a covenant-keeping God. And, 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 and for illustrative purposes, God does not write a check to his people that his people cannot cash. <laughs> Think about that. I know we don't use checkbooks as much as we used to, right? But you think about all a check is, is really a promise. It's a covenant that you make for a person. If I write you a check for an amount of money, I'm making a promise that you can take that check to the bank and you can cash that check, right? That's the promise that I'm making to you. If I write you a bad check, that check's going to bounce, right? Then I broke my covenant. I broke my promise with you. That's a lie, right? Can I tell you over and over and over in Scripture, God's checks don't bounce. <laughs> he is faithful to his promise in his word over and over and over again. But you know, for many of us, we have a hard time trusting God's words and his promises in our life. One of the greatest promises and covenants that God has given us is that he would send the Messiah. And the Messiah would go to our, the cross for our behalf. That he would take on the burden of our sin and our brokenness. And he would be the sacrificial lamb that would go to the cross on our behalf. And it says in scripture that anyone who would put faith and trust in Jesus, that Jesus would separate their sins as far as the east from the west. The scriptures tell us that when he went to the cross, he finished it and it was complete. There's no sin, there was no brokenness that he didn't pay for while on the cross for us. And even though he finished it, and even though he bore it on the cross, and he finished the good work, some of us have a hard time believing that God's sacrifice through his son Jesus, that his death on the cross was good enough to forgive us of the brokenness and the sin that we have in our life. But can I tell you, our God is faithful. And if Jesus said it was finished on the cross, it is finished. Our sin, our brokenness, we no longer have to bear it anymore. He bore it for us. He doesn't have to bear it again. 
It is done. It is finished. And so this morning, if you're struggling, if you're carrying the burden, the brokenness of your sin in your life, can I tell you, you don't have to carry it anymore. You can put your faith, you can put your trust in the one and only everlasting King, King Jesus. And he will provide forgiveness, restoration, salvation, and forgiveness for you. It starts with accepting him as your Lord and Savior and believing that he went to the cross and he bore your sins and paid for them in full. This morning, I don't know how you're struggling. I don't know what you're dealing with. Maybe you're dealing with some sin that's in your life. Maybe you're dealing with some stress or some anxiety, some brokenness. I just want to encourage you, our God is faithful. He is faithful to you and he's faithful to me. And he's calling you this morning to lay those burdens down at his feet. As we come to a time of invitation, maybe this morning, for the first time, you'd like to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe right here is this time of invitation, you'd like to pray to him and just ask him to come into your life, to come into your heart, to trust him as your Lord and Savior and ask him to forgive you of your sins. You can do that right here, right now, this morning. And I pray that you would. Maybe it's to join this church family. Maybe it's to take a next step of faith to be baptized. Whatever the Lord is leading and however he's leading you, I pray that you would be faithful as he has been faithful to us. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much, God, and we want to give you all glory and we want to give you all honor, God. Thank you for your faithfulness over and over again displayed for us in the scriptures. God, I pray that as we look at your faithfulness and consider your faithfulness, Lord, may, it respond, may our response to you is to be faithful in our worship and our obedience to you. I pray for the, the person this morning maybe wants to put trust and faith in you. Lord, I pray that this morning they would do that. God, maybe however you're leading, maybe it's to join this church, however you're leading, Lord, I pray that we would respond. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we have a time of invitation, let's stand, let's worship. And if God's leading you, you come this morning. I'd love to pray with you this morning. You come.
Receive your blessing from God's word. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And go out now. In the security comes from knowing that God goes with you wherever you go. And all God's people who committed to doing so said, Amen. Amen.